Hello there. Hello there. We greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am certainly delighted and elated that you all are joining us as far as our time of study together is concerned. I pray that things have been going well for you thus far, and it's certainly good to be back with you as far as Bible study is concerned. Let me give a major shout out to Sister Karen uh, Archibald for standing in my stead last week when I was at a pastor's retreat, and uh, I know she did a wonderful job. I want you to do me a favor. If you're watching us online right now, if you're watching us online, uh, if you would, in the, the chat stream, just say hello. Let us know that you are there. We look forward to your comments. We look forward to your engagement as far as our time of study is concerned. Even though we cannot be in the congregation as far as the physical church is concerned, we are a congregation virtually. And uh, God is doing some amazing and incredible things as far as online presence is concerned. Just want you all to know that one day we will be back in the sanctuary, but even when we come back, we're not getting rid of this platform. We will be doing a lot of things online uh, and we will have this hybrid uh, as far as our church moving forward to engage our disciples. Check this out, not only in the Charlotte Mecklenburg area, really across the country and even around the world. God is expanding our footprint as far as uh, the work of St. Paul is concerned, and we thank God for that. Listen, while we are at it, um, just want to let you all know that uh, God is doing an amazing, incredible thing as far as the work here at St. Paul. Of course, uh, today is um, persons that were vaccinated a month ago are receiving their second vaccination. Today, we thank God for that. And as well as uh, people who were vaccinated on 13th of last month, uh, next week, you will get your second vaccination. So I want you to check out your card, look at the time of your appointment. I'll be making that announcement on Sunday. So before we get started, let's go ahead. Let's have a word of prayer. And then uh, today's subject should be somewhat interesting. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you for the wonderful opportunity to study your word. And we don't take it for granted. And so, Lord, if you would open our hearts and minds, uh, as well as our ears to hear, to understand and apply what we learn, what we glean, what we gather as far as your word is concerned. Uh, the word is correct. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. So, God, if you would, show yourself mighty and strong. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I hear a dog in the background, uh, but ain't no dog here at the church. So um, uh, I don't know if that's on Deborah's end as far as uh, a dog is concerned. And she says, oops. <laughs> OK, all right. Well, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, there's always something going on here at St. Paul Church. All right. So I want I want to um I want to deal with 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 something that um probably in 2021 may not be uh today is uh March the 4th, 2021, not 2020. 
So um, if we can get that corrected, that would be greatly appreciated. I, I want to deal with um, um, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And this is not a, a popular topic to talk about, but I'm going to try to uh, bring um, what I would call a, a, a hermeneutical perspective, uh, or that's just a fancy word for an interpretive perspective, uh, and build the theological bridge as far as today is concerned. Sort of like what Karen had to do last week when we talking about slaves be obedient to your masters and stuff like that. So here, here is here is 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 the issue that 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 I'm bringing to you all uh, as we get ready to navigate uh, this time together. The issue is that that what I'm getting ready to share really is dealing with uh, how husbands and wives are to behave in Christ. Uh, how husbands and wives are to behave in Christ. And, and, and it's really dealing with um, marriage. And it's this one word that's going to throw everybody off. And it's this word called Submissive, submissive. Uh, it's talking about you know, uh, wives be submissive to your own husbands. We're going to read this passage of scripture, but I really want to be uh, intentional as far as uh, breaking down this word. And 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 here's here's what we got to understand when it comes to biblical interpretation. We must understand that we don't have the right, and I want you to hear me and hear me well, we do not have the right to change the words of scripture, okay? It's going to say what it's going to say. I want to be very intentional as far as reading what it reads. I'm not going to change the words of scripture, uh, but we do have uh, the capacity to interpret it uh, in a in a in a new way. Okay, so so you know we going we gonna read it just like it is, and we're gonna unpack it in a very meaningful way that hopefully and prayerfully will shed new light as far as our understanding is concerned. So this is a word for husbands and wives. It's a word for husbands and wives. And as we unpack it, for those that may not necessarily be married, uh, hopefully and prayerfully, as you share with us in this time of study, even though this is a word for husbands and wives, you will be able to glean uh, and, and learn and appreciate and appropriate what this word has to say just on the basis of biblical knowledge and understanding. All right. So let's uh, look at first Peter chapter three, starting with verse one. Um, we're going to do our exegetical work. Um, have you to underline, highlight some words, draw your lines and things of that sort. And um, then we'll go ahead and get started as far as uh, the explanation and application of, of this word. All right. So uh, in um, chapter three of First Peter, starting at verse one, these words are printed. 
Wives, and I want you to circle the word wives, likewise. I want you to underline that word likewise. Be submissive to your own husbands. I want you to underline that phrase. Be submissive to your own husbands. I want you to circle the word submissive. I want you to circle the word husbands. Okay. Now watch what Peter says. That even if some do not obey the word, circle the word, word, they without a word, circle the word, word, may be won by the conduct, underline the word conduct, of their wives. Circle the word wives. And then what I want you to do is I want you to draw a line from the word wives uh, at the end of verse one to the word wives at the beginning. I want you to draw a line, connecting line to the word word in that verse. And uh, we're going to move forward. All right. When they observe your chase conduct, and I want you to underline the phrase chase conduct accompanied by fear. Circle the word fear. Verse three, do not let your adornment be merely outward. Underline that phrase. Do not let your adornment be merely outward. Arranging the hair, wearing the gold, putting on fine apparel. Okay. Circle the phrases, arranging the hair, that's one. Wearing gold, that's two. Or putting on fine apparel, that's three. All right. Okay. And just put the number one, two, three over those each circle. All right. Number four, verse four, rather let it be the hidden person of the heart. Highlight the phrase, the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. I want you to highlight that phrase, incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Verse five, for in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in the Lord also adorned themselves. Highlight that phrase. Uh, the holy women who trusted in the God also adorned themselves. Being submissive, circle the phrase being submissive. Draw a line from being submissive in verse five to the word submissive in verse one. Being submissive to their own husbands, circle the word husbands. And draw a line from husbands in verse five to husbands in verse one. Verse six is Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Verse seven, husbands, circle the word husbands. Draw a line from the word husbands in verse seven to the word husband in verse five. Likewise, circle the word likewise. Draw a line from the word likewise in verse seven to the word likewise in verse three. I mean, verse one. Dwell with them with understanding. Highlight that phrase. Giving honor to the wife. As to the weaker vessel, underline that phrase, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, 
that your prayers may not be hindered. I want you to now underline the phrase that your prayers will not be hindered. Underline that phrase, highlight that phrase. As much as I hate glitter, throw virtual glitter on that phrase. Yep, like I said, as much as I hate glitter, I want you to throw glitter on that phrase. All right. Are we ready to do some work? Ready to, to explore this text? Let's, let's get to the meat of it and let's unpack this in a very meaningful way. So I want you to understand that what Peter is doing is really explaining and exploring the principles of respect and submission to authority from a Christian perspective in a world that did not honor, that did not appreciate this new emerging religion. So what Peter is doing is he is challenging the readers of this letter to a new behavior as submissive wives and considerate husbands. Now, I am keenly aware that this idea of submission of wives submitting to their husbands in this culture, in this day and age, is, is an anathema. It, it, it does not play well. It does not work well. But let me, if I could, deal with the text. And I hope and pray that as I deal with this text, that uh, it will shed light on what the original intent is. So when we when we look at when we look at this this idea of submission and 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 it's very um, hard, particularly for people of color to deal with the idea of submission as far as the Bible is concerned by virtue of the fact how the idea and the word of submission has been applied to slavery. OK, so that's one way that many of us come to even texts like this with what we call a hermeneutic of suspicion. What does that mean? A hermeneutic of suspicion basically means that we come to a biblical text like this with some, some angst, um, with a side eye view, if I could use that phrase, um, because texts like this have been used to perpetuate damage and violence as far as society is concerned, all right? So let me, if I could, put this within the proper context of what submission means uh, because it carries the force of a command. We see here that, that Peter is writing for wives to submit to their, first of all, own husbands, to their own husbands. Now, it's very interesting to note that Paul says, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, um, because that word likewise 
um, is referring, check this out, back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. And what does 1 Peter chapter 2, 13 deals with? That is talking about accept the authority of every human institution. Uh, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether the king, whether to the king as supreme. All right. So when we look at this word, likewise, it goes back. It goes back as far as to the understanding that just as we as citizens submit ourselves to government authority, that wives should submit themselves to their husbands in a similar manner. All right. Now, this is very important because the Greek is, is, is very important in the sense that the word likewise in this text, as far as submission is concerned, um, uh, has to be um, uh, uh, dealt with. Now, check this out. The word likewise here is in the Greek uh, homoousis. Uh, that is H-O-M-O-I-O-S. And, and, and it's very important for us to understand what that word means, because if Peter had used the word kathos, K-A-T-H-O-S, that would have meant that wives should serve their husbands the same way that slaves serve their master. Now, this is very important. Just this word likewise here gives a whole different understanding to what submission looks like. Now, I hope I'm helping somebody. So, so the word likewise focuses on the comparison to other things. All right. Now I'm getting ready, to hopefully and prayerfully break this down in a very meaningful way that will start tearing away as far as misinterpretive and misapplications of this text are concerned. So if Peter had used the word cathos as far as likewise, then that meant that Wives should behave like slaves. That's not the word. Uh, while wives may serve their husbands, what Peter is not saying is that wives are slaves to their husbands. All right. Now, we got to understand that this is a different culture. This is a different time. This is a different era where back in, let's say, uh, from 30 to 70 AD, women really did not have many rights as far as the culture is concerned. All right. So we got to put this within a particular cultural context. All right. And I'm hoping that this 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 is helping us. So what 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 Peter wants us to understand is that Christian wives were to accept the authority of their husbands in obedience to Christ, just as we accept the authority of the government in obedience to Christ. To maintain harmony in the family and to encourage unbelieving husbands to believe. All right. 
In other words, Peter is saying that um, when it comes to the submission of the wife to the husband, this is an often misunderstood concept, although it's taught in several places in the New Testament. It's, it's very unpopular. Here's what it does not mean, brothers. It does not mean that the wife is a doormat. It does not mean that the wife is a slave. It does not mean that the wife has no rights and is not equal to. Okay. Unfortunately, this text or this idea of submission has been placed in an hierarchical perspective or position to the fact that it allows for people to falsely interpret this text as man over woman. Okay? As man over woman. Whereby the woman has no rights. Okay. So let, let me let me put this out here. Let me put this out here. Uh it, it is not requiring wives to be subordinate to their husbands. It is trying to bring a sense of order as far as the family structure is concerned. That the leadership of the family, where there's a husband and wife, is expected to be carried out by the husband. Even, check this out, even if the husband is not a believer. Even if the husband is not a believer. Because if the wife is doing or, or allowing for the husband to provide leadership as far as the home is concerned, even if he's not a believer, what God can do through the wife allowing for the husband to have leadership in the home is that God can use your act of following your husband's leadership to bring your husband to Christ. This is where the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Now, what, what does this, what, 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 what is this not saying? I want you to understand. If the husband is an unbeliever, the wife ain't expected. I use the word ain't because I wouldn't want you to get what I'm saying. The wife ain't expected to participate in the husband's pagan religion. The wife is not expected to engage in actions that dishonor God or dishonor her. Am I making any sense? All right, that, that, that ain't what submission is about as far as this text is concerned. All right. So, so what Peter ain't saying is, why is whatever your husband tells you to do, do it? That's not what he's saying. That is not what submission in this context is all about. Okay. 
What submission in this context is all about is for the wife to follow the sensible leadership of the husband. Now, when both husband and wife are Christians, the woman should respect the God-given authority of a husband. When the husband is exercising that authority in a loving, gentle, and Christian manner. So I'm getting ready to drop a major bombshell on y'all because I want you all to understand what submission does not mean. And if, 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 if you get nothing else today, I want you to get this. Submission does not mean blind obedience. Submission does not mean inferiority. Submission does not mean less than. We live in a society where there has to be a sense of order. For example, let's think, let's, let's, let's look at, 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 at society. When it comes to um, our, our society, we have president, vice president, cabinet members. When it comes to the fire department, you have the chief, then you have assistant chief, then you have uh, captains, okay, order. And one is submissive to the other. Okay, there's order. All right, now watch this. Even in the Trinity, even though you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who are co-equal, co-eternal, and co-existent, Jesus submits to the Father. The Holy Spirit submits to Jesus. Oh, I know I'm dropping some good stuff right now. So, so when we talk about this idea of submission, it requires Thank you, God, for this revelation. It requires a shifting of the wheel. Jesus is so confident in the essence of who he is that he submits to the will of God the Father. That the will of God the Father becomes his will, and then the will of Jesus, which is the will of God the Father, becomes the will of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and then the, the will of the Holy Spirit, which speaks to us, ought to become our will, which then causes our will to become the will of God the Father. So check this out. Oh, I love this analogy. Just as God, uh, uh, just, just as you and I submit to God the Holy Spirit and God the Holy Spirit submits to Jesus Christ the Son and Jesus Christ the Son submits to God the Father, then basically as we submit to the Spirit, then ultimately we are submitting to God and our will then becomes the will of God. And God's will becomes our will. All right. Christian submission never requires us to disobey God. 
Christian submission never requires us to submit to abuse or participate in what the Holy Spirit directed conscience forbids. Am I making any sense? Am I hopefully and prayerfully giving you all better insight into what God desires as far as this idea of submission is concerned? Because if, if, if I can get you to get this, then my job is done as far as this particular lesson is concerned. But I got to get to the, to the end of today's lesson because husbands, I'm going to blow y'all out. The, I'm going to blow us out the water in just a moment. Okay. All right. All right. So, so, so I, I want you to understand that when it comes to this idea of submission, it has unfortunately been corrupted by white folks and by men. <laughs> Slaves, be obedient to your masters. Corruption. The man is the head of the house. Wives, be submissive to your husbands. It's been corrupted. Because let's watch it. Let's, let's understand that in the first century, in the first century, um, uh, uh, wives did not have agency. Now, back during that time, whenever a man became a Christian, he usually brought the whole household with him. Okay? When a man became a Christian, when a man accepted Jesus Christ, he usually brought the whole household with him. However, when a woman became a Christian, she usually came by herself. Now, because Peter is dealing with the Roman Empire and they are subjected to Roman law, even though they're Jews, under Roman law, the husband and the father had absolute authority over the household. And any wife who demanded her rights as a free woman in Christ could endanger her marriage and her life if her husband disapproved. So what Peter was trying to do was encourage the wife to live her faith in a respectful manner to the husband and let the actions speak louder than her words. And that through her actions, her husband would discover there is something unique and different about her that will then pull him into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Am I making any, am I helping somebody today? All right. So Peter's saying, even if they, some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Your conduct, your conduct, we're in verse two now, your conduct, chase, is accompanied by fear. Now, the word fear in verse two is translated as respect. This is a healthy fear. So Peter is saying, um, as you wife, 
grow in the word, in the knowledge who God is, in the fear and admonition of Jesus Christ by your conduct, when they see that there is something different about your behavior, uh, when there's no moral defilement in you, then ultimately what will happen is you become so attractive as far as not you being concerned. The husband is not attracted to you, more so to the God that is in you. And because of your behavior, even if your husband never comes to the Lord, he's not going to have any issue with you practicing this new strange religion known as the religion of the way. But the hope is, is that the husband would one day come to the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is as well. Am, am I making in any sense, I, I hope that I am. Let's look at verse three, because verse three um, uh, takes us to a whole nother dimension. When, when in verse three, we are told that do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Now, here, um, I'll tell you what Peter ain't saying before I tell you what he is saying. What Peter is not saying is you can't fix your hair. He's not saying that. He's not saying you shouldn't wear gold. He's not saying you shouldn't uh, wear nice clothes. He is not saying that. Okay. What he is saying is that your focus should not be on the external. All right. Now, let's be honest. You know, um, uh, you know, sisters, if you want to get your hair did, get your hair did. If, if you want to get your nails done, did, get that taken care of. It, you know, nothing wrong with making yourself beautiful on the outside. But what Peter wants us to understand is that, sisters, your beauty does not come from outward adornment. It does not come from the clothes you wear. It does not come from the jewelry you put on. It does not come from uh, your hair being braided and, and, and being nice. No, your beauty, your beauty comes from the inside. All right. Now, God knows I'm not saying that hygiene and neatness and, and grooming uh, aren't important because they are. But what's even more important is your attitude and your inner spirit. How many of us have seen people who got it going on outwardly. And, and, and guess what? This can apply to, to men as well. Let me say that. Let me make that, that, that interpretive leap. This can apply to men as well. How many of us know people who got it going on 
on the outside. They look good. They they dress to the nine and got a funky attitude. Just as the kids would say, stank. <laughs> Just, I mean, you know, they got it going on. But then when they opened their mouths. Ratchetness. Comes out. That if you're around them for about two or three minutes and you start listening to them talk, you go like, oh, God, what is this? And then there are people who may not be so attractive outwardly. But once they start talking and once you listen to them, once you're in their space, they have this inner glow, this inner beauty. That draws people to them. In other words, what I what I want you all to understand is that real beauty starts on the inside. Okay, let me say that again. Real beauty starts on the inside. All right. Let's 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 finish unpacking. We look at verse four as Peter is continuing on this idea of what real beauty is from the inside, the inner person, your inward being, your personality, your thoughts, your attitudes, your motivations, that that is being transformed by the Holy Spirit. This is what real beauty is like. It's that qualitative beauty, the beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Um, to be gentle carries the notation or understanding of humility, but being humble does not mean you're weak. Okay. Meekness does not mean weakness. Right. Let me say that again. Meekness does not mean weakness. So Peter wants us to understand that real beauty has the stamp of the Holy Spirit on it because as the Holy Spirit changes your internal spirit, it allows for your beauty to come forth in a very powerful way. Let's look at verses five and six uh, as we make a, 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 a quick dash to verse seven. So we see Peter lifting up in verses five and six um, an example of what a holy woman, and in his perspective, a beautiful woman, looks like. Peter wants us to understand that, that holy women can be beautiful. They can have a gentle spirit. They can be humble. Uh, they can have beautiful looks. But they're known because they place their hope and confidence in God. And we find this word in verse five, being submissive 
to their own husbands. All right. Now, let's let's talk about this beauty and adornment before uh, we talk about Sarah, because I believe it's Proverbs um, 31. And, and it's so interesting. So many people, they take, you know, Proverbs 31 it, and it's called the virtue of woman. They take it so much out of context. Um, uh, it, yeah, it's just so taken out of context when, when you look, when you, when you read it and when it's applied that the way that we applied it today's culture is not the way that it was originally intended to be. Uh, and it certainly serves as a misapplication because folks talk about they want to find a, a Proverbs 31 woman. Now, you want to find a woman that has been changed and transformed by the spirit of God. Yeah, I said. But Proverbs 31 says charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. So these women back during biblical antiquity trust in God. They submitted to authority uh, by accepting the authority of their husbands. And Sarah is an example that Peter uses because Sarah obeyed Abraham. She called him Lord. She was submissive to Abraham. Now, let me drop something on you because we got to understand that Sarah was her own sister. She wasn't slavish. Okay. Um, Peter commended her attitude of obedience and submission, hanging on the argument of Sarah using the word Lord in reference to, to Abraham. But, but again, she wasn't a slave. You got to remember she got tired of Hagar and Ishmael, which was Abraham's other wife and Abraham's first son. And she told Abraham, listen, you need to send them away. That Egyptian girl got to get out of here. Abraham didn't like it. But he went along with her request. Does that sound like a slave to you? And whether you want to uh, uh, argue the merits of uh, 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 how God navigated this, God approved Sarah's request because if you read Genesis chapter 21, um, you will see that the Lord told Abraham, whatever Sarah tells you to do, do it. So, so, so why are we looking at Sarah? Because Sarah is really considered to be, if Abraham is the father many nations, then if Sarah is connected to him, Sarah is the mother of God's people and she's connected to him because of the covenant promises that God has made to Abraham. Okay. So she is the mother of the nation of Israel. So Peter, as he wraps up this section of scripture, saw Christians, particularly Christian women, as 
offsprings of Sarah. And as offsprings of Sarah is to be held in high regard. And he is saying to them, as women who have been saved by Jesus Christ, your faith in God will not let you dwell in fear. In fear of physical harm that can come from your husband. Uh, in fear of what happened if you disobeyed your husband because your husband asked you to do what was wrong or evil. Or it could also deal with the fear of perhaps being persecuted for your faith in Jesus Christ. So basically, what Peter was counseling is this sense of family peace. But guess what? That submission had a limit. Let me tell you what God does not expect. God does not expect for wives to be physically abused in marriage. You're not to submit to that. Okay? That's one fear God wants you to overcome. That is not the submission that God is expecting for you to deal with. God is not, God doesn't, listen, any man, any woman, any Christian, any pastor, any priest, anybody who tells a woman to stay in an abusive relationship, be it spiritual, physical, financial, emotional, verbal, anybody that tells a woman to stay in an abusive relationship or submit to the husband in an abusive relationship is out of order. That is not what God is telling you to submit to. An abusive husband ain't going to be saved by you obeying him or being submissive to him. I, I, I hope I'm, I'm getting this across in a very meaning, a very powerful way. Your husband ain't going to be saved if he's beating the hell out of you and you being submissive to him. That, that ain't going to happen. That's not going to happen. All right. I, if you don't get anything else, get that today. If you are being, you know, trying to do right by your husband and he's knocking you upside the head, he ain't going to get saved because of that. You need to find the first exit and get out. That's not God's will for your life. Please understand that's not God's will for your life. Okay. If I'm helping somebody, if y'all would just. Put some hearts or something in, the, in this chat. Now, let me drive it home because this is where, uh, uh, this is the apex of the lesson today. Verse seven, husbands likewise. You see that word likewise, that word likewise. Goes back to the word likewise at the very beginning of the text. Husbands likewise. 
Likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. I'm getting ready to drop a major bomb on our thinking today. I'll tell you what, Peter, this is what Peter is saying. Peter is saying, husbands, likewise, in other words, in the same manner. The Bible is not expecting your wife to be a slave. And just as the wife is submit to the authority of the husband, the husband is to submit to the authority of Christ. And he has to use his authority with consideration. In other words, the husband is not to be a tyrant or faithless or unloving or impatient or unkind or mean as hell. That is not how you to deal with the wife. In other words, the Bible says the husband is to be considerate as you live with your wife. That word considerate basically means to live together according to knowledge. In other words, the husband is to be considerate with more than just a kind attitude. This goes back to the idea that the husband who acts on the knowledge of his wife or knowing his wife will greatly enrich her life as his own. That word, give honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. I'm going to deal with this concept of, quote, weaker vessel in, 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 in just a moment. Peter wants us to understand that you got to have more than just a kind attitude. Got to be more than just gracious. All right. You got to have an agape love, a love that has transformed you by you knowing who God is in the partner of your sin that allows for you to share that love, eros, romantic love now, with your wife. Give honor. Now, now, this is where I'm getting ready to really blow some stuff out the water. Give honor. That word honor basically means respect. It is interesting to note that Peter here it's kind of doing something like what Paul did in Ephesians 5, 27, 5, um, 25 through verse 27, when um, Paul tells uh, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify it by the cleansing uh of the washing of the word that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blemished. Paul was saying in Ephesians chapter five, that the husband ought to love the wife just as Christ loved the church. Now, what does that mean? That is really calling the husband to a greater love. It's calling the husband to a greater love. <laughs> because when we look at this word, weaker vessel, and I, and and I'm I, I'm just interpreting it in a biblical manner, and um, 
um, uh, and I want to clear up some things. So, so let's 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 as as my um, late spiritual father Charles Booth would say, let's put the hay where the cows can get it. When Peter says, "Give honor to the wife as the weaker vessel," he is talking about from a physical perspective of physicality. All right, generally speaking. From a physical perspective, women are weaker than men physically. Physically, hear me well, physically. Not, they're not weaker morally. They're not weaker spiritually. They're not weaker intellectually. But overall, women are weaker than men. That's why, that's why I have some issues with uh, even when people, uh, and regardless of where you fall in the transgender debate, where people um, who transgender are, 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 are moving from being a male to becoming a female and want to participate in female sports, but they still have testosterone in them, um, it gives them an advantage over women in that sport. All right, now that's a whole nother debate. But that's what is meant by weaker vessel. It is not weakness morally, it is not weakness spiritually, it is not weakness intellectually, it is not weakness emotionally. Okay. Because, and I'll say this without hesitation or mental reservation, even though men may be stronger than women from a physicality perspective, a woman can take a whole lot more pain than a man can. We as men, we cry over a kidney stone. Women give birth to, to six, seven, eight, nine, 10 pound babies. So a, a woman can take a whole lot more pain than, than, than a man, but even that particular argument has been used against black women in the medical field because some doctors do not take our uh, sisters seriously when they say that they're dealing with pain. Okay? But any woman that gives birth puts up with a whole lot more than we as men ever will. Now, let me drive this home because I'm getting ready to mess the men up. Peter is say, Peter is to, is telling the husband, give honor to the wife, give honor to the wife, because she is the weaker vessel physically, but she is not weak morally, spiritually, or intellectually. What Peter wants us to understand is that husbands, you can't bully your wives physically or sexually. You are called to use your authority to respect the wife, not abuse the wife. Respect the wife, not, you know, try to get your way. Respect the wife because guess what? The woman is a partner in a side-by-side relationship. And any man who respects his wife will protect her, will help her, will honor her, will stay with her, will respect her opinions, will listen to her advice, will be considerate of her needs, will relate to her both privately and publicly with love, with courtesy, with insight, and with tact. Now, there are some women who don't like this idea of being referred to as weaker and that they're submitted to their husbands. 
but you got to understand that sisters, you are equal with men in the eyes of God. And even though we have husbands given authority in marriage and in family, wives are equal to their husband in, in spiritual privileges and eternal relationships. It's right there in the text as being heirs together. In other words, the wife doesn't get any less than the husband. The wife doesn't get any less than the husband. Now here, 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 here is where I'm getting ready to drive the stake home. Because this last phrase, Peter adds this commandment to the husbands that if you're not considerate, if you're not respectful, your prayers may not get answered. That my relationship with God depends on the right relationship with others, particularly for husbands, if you are married. So sometimes brothers, husbands, your prayers may not be getting any answer or it may not be getting the answer you wanted to get because you ain't treating your wife right. If you don't treat your wife right, God ain't going to honor your prayer. If you don't treat your wife right, God is not going to give you the desires of your heart. If you don't treat your wife right, you can't expect for God to bless you in the manner that God wants to. Don't expect to have a vital ministry in your life or in your prayer if you're mistreating your wife in any kind of way. So, as I wrap up this lesson, here it is. Even though wives are called to submit to their husbands, the greater weight, the greater aspect of love is placed on the husband. Because we're called to be like Christ is to the church. So husbands are called to be like that to their wives. All right. I hope and pray that um, this has blessed you before I get ready to close out. Uh, are there any questions um, as far as today's conversation is concerned? Any questions? Any questions? Not seeing any questions in the chat box, sir. All right. Thank you, Deb. Well, guess what? As we get ready to close out real quick, I want you to know that you have the capacity to continue to partner with us as far as the work here at St. Paul is concerned. And as you partner with us, part of that partnership, a key way of that partnership is through giving. Yesterday, we served over 200 families throughout um, our community as far as our food pantry is concerned. And you have a way to partner with us that we continue to work in the ministry here at St. Paul. We're getting ready to do some major work on our building here at the church of um, waterproofing our church. We're going to be starting that within the next uh, 30 to 60 days. And that's a major undertaking because we have a lot of leaks 
in our basement. And so that's going to be a major undertaking, but your giving helps us with that. And so I want to encourage you to give. You can bring your check or money order here to the church at 1401 Alice Street, or you can give through our uh, website, or you can give through the app called Givelify. However you give, um, uh, it will be a blessing, and we will utilize it as far as maintaining our operations, maintaining our building, and doing ministry. Well, I hope and pray that you all were blessed as far as uh, this sharing is concerned, and um, look forward to sharing with you all next week. So if you would read First uh, Peter chapter 8, through the end of that chapter, we're going to be dealing with how do we survive persecution? How do we deal with persecution? What is persecution? We're going to unpack all of that as far as our next gathering is concerned. Let's close out in prayer. God, we pray right now as we come and we have gleaned your word. Now we take this word, we apply it to our lives. It is our hope and prayer that husbands will understand the calling you have placed upon uh, our lives as being good husbands to our wives, that we exemplify the love you have for the church to our wives, and that wives will understand that submission does not mean that they are a doormat. It is just the error. It is just an understanding of how leadership should flow as far as the home is concerned, but it does not make her a less than partner. So God, we pray that this word will be absorbed as far as family structures are concerned. And now, God, as we prepare to leave from this space and place, but never from your presence, keep us in your care. And then, God, in your own powerful way, bring us back together in worship, even in this virtual space on Sunday morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen, God bless you. Have a smile upon you. Be safe and take care of yourselves and look forward to our next time of study together.